Hello, and welcome to One Single Thought, the podcast where two Christian single women take theological deep dives and bring perspectives on life, mixed with levity and joy. Hey, Heather. Hey. How are you doing this week? I don't know. I've got the jollies. I'm good. She's got the jollies. (laughs) Then we're in for a great episode, folks. Well, we're back here in Studio WIC, and we are talking tonight on a topic that it's a first for us here at One Single Thought. And I'm surprised it's a first because we should have talked about this like in our second episode, probably. We should have, but thankfully, we're talking about it now due to mm-hmm. a listener suggestion. One of our faithful listeners, Michelle Castaño, had a question and a suggestion. And so we decided to turn that into today's episode, which is going to be on singleness. Singleness. Yes. We're quite the experts on singleness. Yes, we are. We may know very little about anything else we talk about, (laughs) but when we talk about singleness, we know what we're Mm -hmm. talking about. So that leads me to today's one single thought. Are you ready? I am so ready for this one. It is godliness is the goal. That's our one single thought. Now, we do have a subtitle to that one single thought. (laughs) It's better to be single than to be tied to a jack leg. And we can thank Matthew Waldrop <laughs> for that contribution of our extended single thought slash subtitle. The original single thought is just godliness is the goal, but we do have that second part in parentheses. Correct. Yes. That is correct. So that is today's topic, singleness, which we're, I mean, literally, as we said earlier, just experts on this topic. So as we often do, we like to give some background. So Heather, why don't you start by giving us some facts about singleness in the United States right now? According to some Pew Research, 50% of U.S. adults are single, and the largest group of those that percentage is 18 to 29 that age group that's 41 percent of them are single and then for our demographic i'm in the 40 in the 40 range 40 to 50 but for those people who are in the 30 to 49 range 23 percent of those are single and then for rose for your Mm -hmm. age group 50 to 64 in that age group 28 percent of those people are single so there's a lot of people single and there's a lot of people who are putting off marriage to have their careers. Mm-hmm. And this is according to Pew Research. So now that we've read some stats and gone over some of the numbers there, let's look at some real life application. So Rose, what has your experience been like as a single person? So for me, I'll kind of share my thoughts about my life. So when I was growing up, of course, you know, we all, maybe not everybody, but most of us, expect to get married at some point and I know when I was a teenager and in my 20s I was just living life having a good time hanging out with friends and I just kind of thought marriage would just plop into my lap Mm -hmm. my parents got married very young my mom was 19 my dad was 21 so I just thought it'll happen when it happens then when I got into my late 20s I was like, huh, I'm not married yet. I wonder if I should do something about that. And Mm -hmm. so then I began to kind of focus a lot on being single, probably in hindsight too much. Mm -hmm. And so in my 30s, as the clock was ticking, my uterus was shriveling, I figure (laughs) I gotta, I gotta get married. Like I gotta (laughs) find somebody. And um, I always believed I need to be friends first. So a lot of my relationships started that way. And then, you know, once I got to my 40s, I started to realize that as a Christian, I was focused way too much on the pursuit of a a man than I was on the pursuit of God in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I I really, in my early to mid 40s, began to kind of let that go uh, and give it to God and not be so obsessed with being single and wanting to be married. And now as I'm in my 50s and clearly dealing with my own issues Mm -hmm. health-wise right now. It's probably not at all on my list. I'd always said to people that I'm single not by my choice, but by God's design. But I think if I were to look back on my life as a young 20-something, I never thought I would be single the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And although God has a may have a plan for me to marry someday, it definitely has not been his plan for me to marry yet. 
So that's kind of what my singleness looks like. What about you, Heather? What's your what's your singleness look like for you? So for me, I think my experience has been pretty much the same as yours. I'm almost exactly a little over 10 years younger than you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I so I feel like what you just said has kind of been my experience, although delayed. But I, I'm the same. I thought I was going to be married pretty young. Uh, my sister married young. And, you know, I was just kind of waiting for it to happen. But at the same time, in my 20s, I was just living my life and enjoying my life. Not so much worried about getting married right away. I figured it was going to happen eventually and that I'd meet somebody. And then in my 30s, the desire to get married was stronger. But I'd continue to just have fun and live my life. And I think as it progressed towards 40, I started wondering, okay, well, I don't think this is going to happen anytime soon. And maybe it will because I knew people that got married around 40 and all that, but it's nobody was coming along. So it was around 40 where I realized kind of like you, where I had made singleness had become such a thing for me. And I was so consumed with wanting to be married and trying to find someone to fill that void for me that I wasn't realizing how much of an idol I had made it and that marriage had really become this end goal and I had been thinking about it all the time that's all I was just wondering like when is when is the guy going to come along and when is this emptiness in that sense going to be fulfilled and not really looking to the one person capital P who can fulfill that need and I think it was in my 40s when I finally started enjoying my life the way it is now and being okay with the way things are and I still want to get married one day and I'm not I'm still hoping that it's going to happen but I'm trusting the Lord with that and I'm not too worried about it right now because you and I both know people who've gotten married late in life so Mm -hmm. it's doesn't mean it can't happen but I think Nancy Lee Wagamuth was 57 when she got married yeah that's Nancy Lee DeMoss yes Nancy Lee DeMoss and she married Robert Wagamuth Mm -hmm. and I want to say she was she was in her 50s, mm-hmm. either early to mid-50s mm-hmm. when she got married. And that was her first marriage, and mm-hmm. he was a widower. So yeah. it definitely can happen. I just think, like you, Heather, I don't. I think I, f- I focused a lot on it. People probably didn't notice it. Uh, I hid yeah. it pretty well. But my thought life was very much consumed mm-hmm. by it. And, you know, I didn't. I tried to plug along, but I think you really said it well when you said that we often can make an idol Mm -hmm. of marriage, which is not good. So that leads us to the question that a lot of people who are single, and I've actually been asked this before by more than one person, how do you handle, quote unquote, how do you handle singleness? And that is worded that, I'm wording that way specifically because people tend to think of singleness as a failing or an illness (laughs) or something that you have that you don't want and you want to get rid of it like a hangnail or something like that. (laughs) How do you handle singleness? So without unpacking what that all the weight behind that statement that question rose how do you handle singleness? Well it's not leprosy so we do know that much. Uh, (laughs) I think that Singleness looks different depending on what age you are. So mm-hmm. if we were to look at it from a different decade, when you're in your 20s, you're kind of carefree. That's usually when most people that I know got married. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we you think of that as kind of your prime, prime decade. And then you get to your 30s. I think the 30s are, could be the most unsettling time. Mm-hmm. If you make it to 30, the old the movie When Harry Met Sally, when she wasn't married and she was telling, Sally was telling Harry, I'm going to be 40. And he was like, you're not 40, but I will be one day. <laughs> and so we have this vision of the 30s are kind of that magical decade where if you haven't, if you're not married yet, boy, you better get on, yeah. get on with it. Uh, I also think when you hit 40, then your perspective is going to change. Something's going to happen. So if we look at it now, how do I handle it being single? I think for one thing, I have to realize that, number one, that singleness can be an idol in my life. And that's unhealthy. That's unhealthy for anything besides God to be number one in your life. Mm -hmm. I think we have to look at the perspective of what singleness is versus being married. That there's not, one does not trump the other. Mm Mm-hmm. 
my favorite statement, I've said it on another episode, but marriage is no more a reward for obedience than singleness is a punishment for disobedience. We're not being punished. God's not punishing us and saying, well, I realize this is what you want, but sorry, you're being a disobedient Mm. person, and so I'm not going to grant you that. Nor do I believe that being married is the end goal and the end game Mm -hmm. and is what is going to be the great hallelujah on our way to heaven. So what do we do when we're single and we're not married and not maybe not even dating someone? I think church involvement is very important because our church is like a family. And Mm -hmm. of course, we talk about our church almost every episode, Ninth and Baptist Church. I'll link it in the show notes. If you're in Louisville, be sure you come and visit us. But I believe that, you know, our church is our family. And oftentimes as a single, that's where you feel the most isolated or the most troublesome is that I don't have a family. Mm -hmm. Now, you may have tons of siblings. You may have a lot of biological family, but you could be in a city away from your family. You know, your job could take you to another city. And so the church is is really your family. So I think to be involved in a church is is really important because that's going to provide you with a, a framework and an infrastructure where you can develop relationships with mm-hmm. both single and married. And we'll talk about that in a little bit more to what Michelle's question was. We'll get to that. But I think too, that when you become part of a church, you have to be careful that you find the right church. Again, many churches, and I'm not talking about our church because our church, I don't believe does this, mm-hmm. But some churches can kind of look at, at single people as a second-class citizen or look at them as if they're not a vital part of the church. Our church is very family-oriented, but they also value the service that all mm-hmm. of us that are single provide. But not all churches really operate like that. And so I think it's important that you, you're you in a church environment where your value isn't based on whether you're married. Right. And I think if they're doing that, that's unbiblical. We know scripture teaches us that Paul was not married and he said it was better not to marry. Mm-hmm. It would give you more time to serve the Lord. So I think when when it comes to how do I handle it, I handle it by focusing on the Lord, keeping him as my, my end game and not marriage and having good accountability in my church family. And I think accountability is really important, mm-hmm. especially for single people because you don't have that person in your life that's holding you accountable oftentimes we're living alone heather you live alone Mm -hmm. i live alone we don't even have roommates or anything so it's good to have that accountability in our church family so when we talk about these are the ways that we handle it let's think about what are some of the benefits heather what are some of the benefits of being single well i wanted to to respond to something you're talking about how you know how we when we when we talk about how do you deal with singleness mm-hmm. is looking at it the right way and you're you're talking about not seeing it as leprosy or seeing it as right. a, a failing it really helps to remember that in our society relationships especially sexual relationships are the most important thing to our culture i don't mm-hmm. know why mm-hmm. <laughs> but that is the biggest end goal for many people is to find that one person, whether you get married or not, because some people don't believe in marriage, Mm -hmm. but they're always looking for somebody, whether they are Christians, whether they're not Christians, they're looking for that one person to fulfill Mm -hmm. that need. And so I think, as a, especially as a Christian single person, it's very important to remember what your purpose is and that your, your purpose is to follow the Lord and to be sanctified. And then that is where our one single thought comes into play. Mm-hmm. Well, it's int- when you say, when you, before we get to our benefits of being single, Heather, let me also respond to that. Mm-hmm. So you made a good point and that made me think of the old movie, Jerry Maguire. Did you see the movie, Jerry Maguire? Yeah. It's been a long time ago. Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. Renee Zellweger. Well, the closing scene, you know, as most movies end with Happily Ever After, they decide that they are supposed to be together, and I won't go through the whole movie, but the well-known line from that movie is, you complete me. And that caught on back when that movie was popular, Mm -hmm. 
And that is so unbiblical, number one. No person is going to complete you. And I think to your point of no matter who you are, we're looking for that person to fill a void. And no person is going to fill the void that that is meant for Christ. Yep. So I think that's a really good point. So back to the question. (laughs) What what do you think are some benefits to being single? We've looked at the, Mm -hmm. I think, kind of the negative how do you handle right. it in, in the idolization of marriage? But what are benefits to being single? Well, I mean, for, first of all, from a Christian perspective, echoing what Paul said is that we do, if you're not married, you do have more free time to devote to things of God and to serving the body of Christ. Yes, we are all extreme. Like single people, just because you're single doesn't mean that you have all this free time because we fill up our time with all kinds of things, especially if you work a full-time job and you're on call or whatever it is. Um, or even if you're a single parent and you have kids, just because you're single doesn't mean you're, you're automatically available for every, every task or every job that needs to be done. But Paul did say that we are, as single people, we're not going to be consumed with pleasing another human being that our primary focus will be to please the Lord. And as a single person who is seeking to be more like Christ, that's where our focus is naturally going to go. And so I can say, you know, from my experience, I've been able to make myself available whenever church members have needed help. I've been able to be more free to go jump in and help someone, especially anybody that's in our class. I've been able to do that in the past. I've been able to dedicate more time to to teaching and studying. But we have more free time to do things of the Lord and to dedicate to that. Outside of church life, as just being a single, I mean, I look at disaster relationships all around me and just I, I have an attitude of thankfulness that I don't <laughs> have to deal with some things that people do. Um, I hear neighbors yelling at each other because I live in an apartment complex and I've heard arguments through the wall and just really glad that I have not been caught in something like that. There's some, some kind of benefit to being able to get up and go when you want. Of course, now I've got a cat, so that kind of... <laughs> I have to plan for somebody to take care of him if I want to get up and go out of town or something. But I think there is some more freedom there. Well, I think, that, you know, when you're talking, Heather, about spending more time to do, to do things of the Lord, whether that's helping other people, studying His Word, that sort of thing. You know, I would say that if you're wanting to be married, being single, that's the time to really develop that foundation with the Lord. Because when you get mm-hmm. married... You are not going to have the picturesque, quiet time Instagram photo where you sit in the corner with your cup of coffee and your NIV study Bible that's bigger than your head and and be able to do that when you've got three or four kids running around, a husband to take care of. So you have to learn to be creative. So if you haven't learned how to make time for the Lord as a single, it's not going to magically be easier when you're married. Now, I'm not married, but I know this from talking to married people, and it's definitely not the the way to do it. And I would say the same foundation is good no matter what you face. When I had to go through this two and a half years of a health journey that I was on, and I didn't have enough strength to even pick up my phone to read the Bible on my phone, Mm -hmm. I had to resort on the foundation I had before I got sick, the verses I could remember, the stories I could remember from scripture. Mm -hmm. And so even if you don't get married, I mean, the foundation we build with, with the Lord and our walk with him is so important. It definitely is a benefit that we have time to do that before, you know, we, we engage in a marriage relationship. And I wanted to add that one benefit to being single, and especially if you haven't had a lot of relationships in the past, you may feel like you don't have, you're not ready that you because you haven't experienced it and so like when marriage finally comes if it comes that you're 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 wondering if you're going to be ready for it and I think we we can learn a lot around us by watching things that happen around us and uh, I thought of a verse and I cannot remember the reference but it was in Proverbs and it was basically the man he's he's walking along and he sees a downfall of the wicked and I know there's one about the lazy person in chapter 24 but he witnesses it and learns from it, and it's not something he directly experiences, but 
by watching the downfall of others, by watching the consequences of sin being played out in other people's lives, he's able to take that, apply it to his own life, and learn a lesson and know not to do that thing. Um, and so I think as single people, we have that benefit as well, that we can learn from those bad relationships, but then also prepare ourselves if the Lord would have somebody come along. But we do have, like we've been saying, we do have that freedom to live our lives in ways that many people cannot because of their other responsibilities. So that's the main question we wanted to answer today was from the person who submitted this topic. And the question was about how should married people interact with singles in their life in a healthy, encouraging way? So the people that they know that are single, how do they encourage them? Should they mention their singleness? Should they say, we're praying for a husband for you or a wife for you? So that was the question that they sent in. So Rose, do you want to tackle that one first? Sure. I'll give that a, a shot. So I think first off, I would say, and this may sound really elementary to say Mm -hmm. this, but I think first off, married people should just remember to treat single people like regular people. Not like there's something different about them, or they haven't arrived, or they're in this eternal waiting room waiting Mm -hmm. for their spouse to come along. With godliness is the goal. I think as a single person, I want to learn from a married person how God is sanctifying them through their yep. marriage. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to share with a married person how God is sanctifying me to grow in godliness and holiness. So first thing I would say is to treat single people just like regular people. And then I think secondly, I would say for the younger single set, the 20s and 30s, to help them to prepare for the reality of what marriage will be like. To help them to understand that marriage isn't always rainbows and lollipops. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot, for me at least, a lot of the younger single women that I've counseled or talked with about this topic, and I'm not married, but the ones that I've talked with about it, they really get caught up in longing, but they're not living. They keep longing for marriage, and they miss out living. Mm-hmm. They're not living life. And so I think what married people can do for especially that younger single set is to be willing to let them be infused in their lives. Let them spend a day with you when you're taking kids to school or mm-hmm. dealing with the household issues or whatever. Let them see what the real picture of married life is. We mentioned this, I think, on last episode about loneliness, but so many people portray this perfect picture on Instagram of how great everything is, when in reality, it's not that great sometimes. And it's not that married people are thrown in the towel and saying we're Mm -hmm. getting divorced because of it, but it's it's, it's a struggle. And I think sometimes single people need to see the reality of that. Those are a couple of things I would say from a married couple, a married person, how they interact mm-hmm. one-on-one with a single person. But Heather, what are ways corporately that we can do a better job, let's say as the church, to interact yeah. in with single people? I think kind of echoing what we were talking about with our culture being so focused on relationships, marriage and finding somebody. I think it's important, like you were saying, to prepare the younger, especially the younger singles, preparing them for what marriage is going to be like and what a godly spouse should be. Because in all likelihood, someone in their 20s, the majority of them will get married. And so they do need to be ready for that, especially the high school group, um, preparing them for what a godly spouse, how do you stay pure, especially when you go to college and that kind of thing, when your world is turned upside down. But also the other end of that in the church is very important. And I think a lot of churches do this without knowing, but they tend to push this message of you have to get ready for marriage. This is as a single person, your goal is to be prepared for when God is going to bring you that person and you have to be ready for it, which that's true if the Lord does have someone planned for you, Mm -hmm. but he may not. And you may be single for many years or you may never get married and I think one thing we need to do in a singles ministry and I to be honest with you have not really participated much in ours I was when I joined Ninth and O many years ago I went to the women's class immediately because that's where my 
longing was to mm-hmm. be with other women. But I think we need to be very careful about promising indirectly mm-hmm. um, these younger singles that marriage is what's going to happen and you have to be ready for marriage because you may not get married. Mm-hmm. So what is your life going to be like if you don't get married in preparing them for just life as an adult? Mm-hmm. Like How do you be a godly adult in a secular workplace? How do you lead in your church how do you interact with families? So this is when it's very important that, like you were saying, for singles to be involved with families in the church so that they can feel that connection, but also be able to serve those families. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important that we don't just pigeonhole singles into one lane that they are getting ready for marriage. And that's your point. And then if you get to 40s and you're not married then your life is over because you didn't meet the goal that god had planned that quote-unquote god had planned out for you (laughs) and um i think it's very important as a church that singles like we this is reiterating our one single thought that godliness is the goal for Mm -hmm. a single adult as it would be for any other adult Mm -hmm. or any other person that you are taught to be godly that's the most important thing that no matter what the Lord has in store for you, your aim in life should be to bring him glory Mm -hmm. and to please him in everything you do. It should not be finding that one person who's going to make your dreams come true Mm -hmm. because we don't know what the Lord has planned for us. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we mentioned her earlier, Nancy Lee DeMoss, Mm -hmm. now Wagamuth. She's been an amazing Bible teacher for years and has been single the majority of her ministry. Yet she ministered to women both single and married. And honestly, you would never know that she wasn't married. And it really didn't matter because her ministry is all about going to the Word Mm -hmm. and growing in God and walking in holiness. So I think you're right. I think part of being prepared, I don't think there's anything wrong with churches having sessions on how to get ready for marriage. Mm-hmm. But if they don't balance that out with solid biblical teaching on just how to be a godly person, then I think they're missing the mark yeah. because you're not, like you said, you can't, you can't grab onto that and say that's that name it and claim it that we're going to get married. Yeah. That's not the case. I mean, right. we're two examples that we would have said, We've wanted to be married for a long time, but that's just Mm -hmm. not been God's plan. And you have to be very careful too, especially if you're dealing with younger singles, because we both were younger singles Mm -hmm. at one point, and especially women, younger women, and not everyone's the same. We're generalizing here, but you have to be very careful what you say to them in terms of promising things that may not happen. So for example, my sweet grandmother, who's now with the Lord, she (laughs) one time in a and a card, she birthday card she sent me, she put in Psalm thirty seven four, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give the desires of your he will give you the desires of your heart. And she wrote a little note in there that said, I prayed this when I met your grandfather and as a college student, I believe, I think I was in college, I just clung to that as Oh, if I pray this verse, <laughs> then the Lord is gonna give me a husband and so for I mean, I know through all through my twenties I I clung to that, that promise, quote unquote, that I'm going to get what I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, you know, it was nothing against my grandma. I mean, she was a very godly woman, but I, I don't think she realized what kind of impact those words have on people. So you have to be very careful. You have to know the person you're talking to. Mm-hmm. And maybe you have a, a young woman who's very grounded and understands the Bible. Um, but you have to make sure that you are not guaranteeing her something that's may that's something that may or may not happen Mm -hmm. and i think that's another area where it can get kind of gray is when you go and tell a person you're praying for their husband or praying for their wife or praying for a spouse for them Mm -hmm. because i know in the past when people have told me that that i would cling to that promise that that person is praying for me and so oh if so and so is praying for this to happen that means it's going to happen because i know this person is a is a prayer warrior And they're going to be on their knees praying for my husband and it's going to happen. And so you really just have to know your audience Mm -hmm. and know who you're talking to before you make those kind of statements. And I think it's perfectly okay. And I would even encourage it. If you see a single person who you think, you know, they should be married, they would, you know, this is a 
this will be a good thing for them to have someone in their life. Because you and I both know people mm-hmm. who I think improved after they got married. Yes. Um, yes. But you don't necessarily need to go tell the person that you're praying for their spouse mm-hmm. to come along because you don't know what kind of impact that statement is going to have on them. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you're right, Heather. And I think anything like that that can distract us Mm -hmm. from what our one single thought is, godliness is the goal, is not good because it'll it'll so easily become our focus, our Mm -hmm. idol in our life. And it's funny, I've been told that, you know, I'm an intimidating woman that that Mm. probably part of why I'm single is that I'm an intimidating woman long before all this happened (laughs) and I'm you know okay don't yeah (laughs) but basically I mean it was a compliment um but they said you know you were hitting it on all all cylinders you know you were involved at church you were Mm -hmm. teaching you know co-teaching class co-leading the women's ministry counseling others you were a manager a director at at a company like you were hitting it everywhere and so to some men that will look very intimidating to which I would say well if that's intimidating then that's not if a man is intimidated by me then he's not he's not the man for me because I need a man who's going to lead me so I think that also don't skimp on Mm. following the Lord if you're growing closer to him don't stop that just because you think oh gosh well I might intimidate a guy or you know you Mm. want a strong godly man at wherever point you Mm -hmm. are in your walk and I just think girls say a lot of crazy things and I know you and I both (laughs) said a lot of crazy things but yeah there's been girls I know that will say you know what I can't I'm not buying a waffle iron like why aren't you buying a waffle iron you love to cook yeah. Well, I'm waiting to put that on my wedding registry. Well, I mean, <laughs> really? We're going to wait till we get married to have yeah. waffles. I love waffles. So don't put things on hold. It kind of goes back to what I said. Don't just sit in longing but live. Yeah. Um, I think that's important because you're going to miss a lot if, if you're focused so much on finding that significant other, that man and, or woman mm. in your life. You're going to miss out on life. And if godliness yeah. is the goal, then... That's yeah. what's most important. Yeah, and and speaking to to women's particular, and just from my own experience, I think it's really important for single women to really pray and seek the Lord on moving their focus from finding a husband to falling more in love with Jesus. That was a prayer of mine for a while, was that I would fall in love with Jesus, because mm-hmm. I did not, I was so consumed with finding a husband and getting married that my focus was all askew, like I said earlier, but I think too that when we're when our focus is off where it should be, that's when we start trying to make things happen <laughs> and trying to pursue men. Which that this is a whole other topic, which I think we could have a whole separate podcast on whether mm-hmm. men, women, and men um, should pursue each other and how that should look. But I I tend to believe that women should not be pursuing the man and that the man should pursue. I know from my own experience that anytime I tried to pursue a man, it didn't work out well. Mm -hmm. And so for women, it's really redirecting your focus, allowing the Lord to work in your life, making you more like him, being godlier, being more Christ-like, allowing the Lord to bring people into your life, praying that the Lord will bring someone into your life. And that's fine, but not making that your end goal. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I think, too, when you talk about women shouldn't be the pursuers, here's Mm -hmm. what I think is funny about that. Feminists, I guess, can come at us. But (laughs) I'm a strong woman, and I have no issues admitting that and Mm -hmm. embracing that. But I I feel like if I'm looking for a man who's going to lead me and lead me well, he's going to have to be a strong guy. And Mm -hmm. I I go back to looking. It's always good to look at healthy relationships. I think you mentioned that earlier. Mm -hmm. But I can use our pastor and his wife. Chaylin might be one of the strongest women I know, but she is, she follows the lead of our pastor in their, in their home life. Mm. But our pastor loves her with, with all his being and does, he doesn't 
squelch her or oppress her. He enables her, but he also leads her well. And so I think, you know, you've got to think about that too. As you enter into marriage, if you want that kind of godly marriage, you've got to have to be willing to do it in a biblical biblical setting. And I don't want a wimpy guy. I don't yeah. want to be tied to a jack leg. If I have to be the one to do all the leading and, and guiding, then why I just as soon stay single. Yeah. Well, and I think kind of going back earlier, we're kind of all over the place with this, yeah. aren't we today? Um, but going back to earlier when you're asking what singleness has been like over your adulthood, I think it was around 40 when I realized that I didn't want to settle for a man who was 60% there. Mm-hmm. I wanted someone who's, you know, there's no question about him. And, and if, <laughs> you know, if he's not, if he's not godly, if he's not the man I can trust to, to be a godly man and to care for me and to care for my family, then I'm not, it's not worth the time. And I, you know, I have much better things to do. Um, I think that's the way my, my mindset has shifted over the last few years. And so not being tied to a jack leg, we don't want to do that. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> there are worse things than being single. So, Rose, I wanted to ask you a question. What do you think about going back to the married, how the married people mm-hmm. should interact with singles? What is your opinion on matchmaking? So I think it's tricky. <laughs> I think that a lot of people, especially married people, and, you know, bless their hearts, as mm-hmm. we say in the South, <laughs> they just want everybody to be happy. So a lot of times if somebody is in a wonderful marriage relationship and they have single friends, they kind of make it their mission to help find those yeah. others and mate. I think you have to be careful with matchmaking because if you push too hard, then oftentimes it will blow up. I feel like that it needs to be very natural in the way mm-hmm. it happens. Even if it's a quote unquote setup, it still needs to happen in some sort of a natural way provide an environment where the two people can casually be together and Mm -hmm. get to know each other as friends without putting the pressure on one or the other. I think that if it's meant to be, then it'll, it'll happen. I don't particularly trust certain people to say, oh, I know somebody for you. A good example, I went on a blind date once with a guy that was a friend of somebody I worked with. This was years ago. Mm-hmm. We met at a bookstore, and which is a great place to have a date. <laughs> because I love to read. So it was, <laughs> I wasn't you know. sure if you were being serious. <laughs> yeah, I was. It was a great place. Because it was a public place. We mm-hmm. met in the cafe. But, you know, he wasn't a solid believer. This coworker, I don't think, was a believer. But she indicated that this guy was a believer. And I think he was a believer, but he definitely wasn't strong. And so mm. if I'm going to be match, part of a matchmaking scenario, then I want to make sure that, that it's someone who I trust that knows me well yep. and hopefully knows the other party well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, had match, um, I've had a few matchmaking situations go down disastrously. But mm. I would say on the flip side of that, even though I'm not married, that I would be careful in matchmaking. Yeah. I don't want to push people towards each other. I think... Yeah. It's good to be a helper to kind of fill in some details to one or the other. Yeah. But again, unless I really know both people well, I don't want to be, I just guess, I guess I don't want to be the one that's going to implement a bad situation if it falls <laughs> apart. But I think being a catalyst is okay, but I think you've got to really know how to nuance that situation. Yeah. What, what do you think, Heather? Well, I think, too, it's it's better to go to the guy first. And that, again, mm-hmm. going back to my conservative ways, but mm-hmm. um, dropping hints to the man is probably good because otherwise, you know, he's not going to get traction <laughs> any other way. But I think when you drop hints about someone to the female, depending on who she is, going back to what we were saying earlier about women latching on to things, um, just because that's the nature of being female. And again, yes, not all females are the same. Not all women are the same. But knowing from the way I've been, it's easy to latch onto something as, oh, this person wants this to happen. That means it's probably going to happen because... God orchestrated this and is bringing this together. And now this person has spoken it. And so now it's going to happen. And mm-hmm. so, especially when you're younger, it's real easy to, to latch onto those ideas and to think that God has got this plan for you and he may not. Mm-hmm. And so you do have to be very careful with matchmaking. I, I agree with you that you really need to know the people you're setting up. And I don't think you should, I'm not going to say never do it. 
but you could be creating some really awkward situations, especially if one of the people is not attracted to the other person for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So you really need to know, know the person and and know what's going on there. Yeah, I I definitely agree. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot about, along with being single, we've we've talked a lot about kind of men and women's roles, which Mm -hmm. again, like you said, Heather, could be a whole other podcast. But, you know, one of the things when you talked about when you hit 40, you kind of knew at that point, Mm -hmm. that was my turning point. I will say for me, my mom passed away when I was 35 and she was sick for quite a while. And my parents had been married for 53 years. Mm -hmm. And when I watched how my dad loved her, and cared for her at her at, on her deathbed and and the way he cared and cried and loved mm. her really made my bar go up yeah because that's what it's all about it's not about the good times and and the and how great it's all going to be really the rubber meets the yeah. road when you have to go through trials together mm-hmm. and i'll i'll never forget um them talking and dad saying you know don't, i don't want you to leave me i don't want to lose you and mom would talk about how she'll be waiting there to meet him mm-hmm. in heaven and just all those things and i just at that point decided i can't i can't settle for less than yeah. that i want a strong man i mean I, this could also be another podcast but <laughs> I feel like, you know, our world is full of wimpy guys. Now, we love guys. We've said that from the beginning. But I think, you know, we've created sometimes, we've emasculated men. We haven't given them Mm -hmm. the encouragement they need so they can stand up and, and be the men that God has called them to be. But I know that's what changed my viewpoint a lot. And, and so because my bar is high, to relate this back to matchmaking, I'm real cautious and careful because I don't want anybody to have to to go through and settle yeah just because i might think oh this might be a good match or someone may think oh you would be good just because he's a christian doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that i that he and i are going to end up happily ever after right so i think we can probably wrap up this topic just by summarizing that you know singleness is a great thing (laughs) and i would also say that marriage is a great thing and there's not one that's worse than the other or better than the other and i think both of us can say that if you know you never get married god's got wonderful plans for you just the things that you can do in your life that places you can serve in the church and outside of the church life is a is a beautiful thing and it's it's something to be grateful for and being thankful for small things in life but just look at what god's given you right in front of you and what you're able to do for him and then seeking to know him fully that's that's really the goal for anyone but as single people, the goal is not marriage, it's godliness. That's right. Godliness is the goal. All right, now it's time for our random thought of the day, Rose. <laughs> so my one random thought for today is when doves cry. Good old Prince song from oh, yeah, ages ago. Yeah. It actually has nothing to do with Prince. So <laughs> but I love I love This goes along with what I'm going to talk about. So I'm going to talk about doves. So doves are really, they really do imitate kind of what humans do. Mm -hmm. We just were talking about singleness and marriage. So doves, when you see them, they typically are always traveling in pairs. Doves usually mate for life. So most of the time they're together for life. And they do cohabitate together. So just like Mm. married people do doves cohabitate together for life and they actually mourn the loss of their mate when their mate oh, dies so and so i thought it was so, so sweet so that's when a dove cries when their mate dies but i thought it was interesting that they also doves do not have good don't have peripheral vision so they're very straight ahead focused because they can't see peripherally like we can uh-huh. so their eyes don't stray they keep right on the task right on the path with their little mate doing their thing. And I just think that's so sweet. And that's very applicable, sort of. Yes. Even though we're talking about singleness, but right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would say that when doves, you know, they're they're not jumping around to dove to dove. <laughs> they're sticking with that one for life. And yeah. I love that, which that's is cool. is 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 great. But doves are, are sweet. I love sweet birds like doves. But I thought it was cool when I was reading about the different characteristics of a dove how similar they are to humans so 
Heather, what's your Ricky thought today? My thought about Ricky today is follow the treat and you won't think so much about the thing on your back. (laughs) (laughs) So I am harness training Ricky. Yes, I am harness training my cat (laughs) to maybe one day be taking outside. I have crossed over everyone. I say this a lot, but I really have crossed over. She has. I'm not a crazy cat lady. She's not a crazy cat lady, but (laughs) I would say she's a cat lady for sure. My cat. Not all cats. Mm -hmm. So I'm harness training my cat, and it's been hilarious because if you have a cat and you've ever tried to put a harness on, I don't know many people who have, but if you ever have, (laughs) it's pretty funny because when you put it on them, they tend to flop over because they don't know how to, to move in it. And so the cat training that I've been doing, the teacher shows you how to desensitize your cat to the harness. So you start by rubbing their back with it, and then you feed treats, and then eventually you move towards fastening it around their neck and then around their belly so they can get used to feeling it on their body. But she didn't really go into what do you do to actually help your cat walk in the harness so he can just move around in it. So I, you know, I got him to the point where he's very comfortable wearing it. He actually purrs when you put it on him, and so it's kind of cute. But when I tried to let him walk around, it was pretty funny. And Rose, I sent you a video of this. It was really funny, y'all. He looks like a drunk cat. He look, he's drunk. He was walking sideways. And like every three steps, he was falling over. And then his legs would go straight in the air. And we were I was laughing so hard. Um, <laughs> but I sent my... The, the cat teacher, I sent her a video of him. And I said, I don't know what to do. I, he's trying to walk on this thing. And he keeps falling over. And I'm not sure if the harness is too tight or what's happening. And... Basically, she said, you know, I think it's just he needs to get used to the fact that it's on there, but get distracted from it so he doesn't think so much about it. So she said, you know, try first with some dry food and see if he can follow a trail of food um, and then come to you. And so I tried doing that and he he ate one off the floor. Then he fell on his back again, his legs (laughs) in the air. And then he did it again and he started rolling (laughs) It was. She sent me a it video, was, and it was pretty It was comical. so sad. I felt so bad for him, and he kept running into the wall, and <laughs> I think my cat is drunk. So then I sent it back to her, and I said, well, this isn't working so well. And she said, well, try a wet treat, which they make these, they're called churus, and they're in a tube, and it's pureed tuna and chicken, different flavors, and cats really go crazy over them. I don't know if it's the texture or what it is, but they really love them. And so she said, try that, the lickable treat, and see if he will follow you. They kind of look like Gogurt tubes. Yeah, it looks like Gogurt, mm-hmm. um, but it's not. But you, she said, lead him with that and see if he'll follow you. And let me tell you, it worked. I held it out. I started walking backwards, and he followed me. And it was like he was healed. <laughs> it was pretty remarkable. He, he, he started walking straight. He still swung his hips a little bit. <laughs> But he was so focused on that treat that he had no trouble walking. So the trick now is to get him to go longer distances in the harness and eventually just get him comfortable with wearing it. But I just thought that was very interesting. If you think about something pleasant while you're going through something really difficult, it takes your mind off of it. Mm, good application. Yeah. You won't think so much about... The thing you're carrying on your back. You're, you put your, your face towards the yeah. Put your you're, face towards the treat. Yes, that's great. That's yes. a good application. So when you are going through your prosthetic process, mm-hmm. think of the treat. Think of the treat. Yeah. The reward head. We've already accomplished the first hurdle of that. So that's yeah. great. The first hurdle of my prosthetic process for the audience out there that may not know. I went for my first test fitting and thought I was going to have at least two or three more Mm -hmm. before I could get my final leg, but I did so well that I don't have to do any more test fittings. That's exciting. So it's very exciting. I'm nervous again for the next phase of this, but... I felt I told I told Heather I felt like I would that I was going to be like Ricky and I feel like a drunk person and fall over. But we well, don't want to fall. We're not you inspired fall. him because he just started walking. He so. did. He just started yeah. walking right on cue. That mm-hmm. was great. So that takes us into our final question, our one single question today, which relates to our topic. So Heather, Whoa. today's <laughs> question is: Name a time when you encountered an awkward situation as a single. I can think of many, 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 many <laughs> awkward <laughs> situations. 
I tend to actually get really awkward when people try to set me up with people, especially if they don't know me or know the person, the other person very well. But I, I can name one time specifically when I was some people that I knew in Florida where I grew up um, that I had not seen in years try to set me up on a blind date with somebody that they're, they were going to a different church at the time. So they tried to set me up with a guy they knew and I was going down to Florida for my nephew's birthday at the time. It was many years ago. And so they arranged this blind date. And so <laughs> let me just say, I had not seen these people in years I was not the same person I was when I was, you know, I had matured a lot and grown and I will spare the details to protect the innocent, but it just was not a good match. But usually just those, those instances where we were talking about earlier, where you're set up with somebody that just, it was very clear that the person didn't know you and they don't know them and they don't know what makes a good match with you. So, um, that was one. Also, I've had some instances where I was in a group of people and the question was asked about another person, another woman, like, we can't believe she's still single. How in the world can she still be single? She's so wonderful. <laughs> and <laughs> you're sitting there like, well, what am I chopped liver? You know? And I think sometimes people just say stuff without thinking about it and, I mean, I've been guilty. I'm sure I've been guilty of stuff like that before, too. But, and Rose, I know you have a similar situation for your awkward scenario. Yeah, so for my awkward situation, I could probably come up with a lot, much like Heather. I could maybe do a whole episode on blind dates, because those alone <laughs> were great. But my awkward situation is I was at, at church one day, and... None of these people in the story are still at our church. So this has been years ago. And a woman came up to me and she said, you know, we need to really pray for Sally, a husband. Now, just so you know, I changed her name to Sally to protect the innocent. <laughs> and this lady literally came up and said to me, to me, a single person, which I'm pretty sure I was probably in my late 30s, maybe. Mm-hmm. She says, we really need to pray for Sally, a husband, because she really wants to be married, and she, you know, she's still single, and, and I kind of looked at her like Jim Halpert looks at the, <laughs> the, camera. the camera in the office, like, yes. is this really happening? I wanted to say, did you forget that I'm also single? I didn't. I just kindly nodded my head and smiled, mm -hmm. but that was really awkward, similar to your situation when people talk about other people you can't believe why they're still single and you're like yeah. okay does that mean that, that there's a reason why i'm single and we don't want to be oversensitive but there's just a lot of awkward mm -hmm. situations when you're a single so that those two situations are those situations that can actually be good learning lessons for married people just to be careful yeah what you say to singles yeah. as well but then also it's a reminder to single people not to take things so seriously and yes. just to laugh it off because people are going to say things and Absolutely. they're going to be well-meaning and mm -hmm. they don't mean to hurt your feelings and not to get offended. I mean, it's life. We have to laugh at it and mm -hmm. move on. We can laugh at it now. Well, we yeah. were in our 30s and more sensitive and yeah. it probably was harder <laughs> to laugh it off. But yeah, now but, it's kind of funny. Well, yeah, we just need to, to be, we need to give grace to people mm -hmm. and that's, that's important too. Yep. All right. Well, I think there's a lot more we could have said on this topic. I think we could have talked for hours. And I know yes. that you and I have actually before now we've talked many a time about Absolutely. our state. <laughs> um, hours. But we are going to wrap this one up for today. Thanks for putting up with us. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us today, everybody. And until next time, don't follow your heart. Follow God. We hope you've enjoyed One Single Thought. Our theme music is provided by Lindsay Cook, and we're so happy you joined us. Please be sure to share this episode with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. We'd love it if you'd rate and review our podcast so more people can find us and join our tribe of listeners. 